today we're going to talk a little bit about um, storyline, which is something that, that word you guys are maybe familiar with. We're going to talk about where that got started, what it's all about, how it got here into Wellspring, and then also, uh, like uh, Bob had mentioned before, we're going to talk to some people who are kind of going through that process, or have gone through the process, or at least part of it. So, um, this thing feels real uncomfortable. If it starts to fall off, please let me know. As I was kind of preparing for this, I was vacuuming yesterday, and I was practicing just holding the handheld mic. Um, and so when Bob put the Timberlake on me, I was a little, little nervous, so, so I'm actually... And I talk with my hands a lot, so I'm going to hold this Sharpie and try to keep things from getting too out of hand. So if, if I start, you know, being Bob Dole and talking about finance reform, you know, that's, that's a different speech altogether, so... Um, anyway, um, in 2003, the writer Donald Miller wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz, and some of you have probably heard of it, some of you have probably read it. Um, it sold millions of copies, and some Hollywood producers approached him about turning it into a movie, which he thought was kind of an unusual idea because the book um, is just a series of essays told from a memoir perspective, so it's from his life, and so he was kind of curious about how are they going to make that into a movie, so they they like, you know, we like the tone of the book, we like the story of it, let's get together, let's talk, we'll show you how we're going to turn it into a movie. And when they got together, they hit it off right away. But then things got kind of weird. They were like, Don, we think that the Donald character should be a factory worker, a blue-collar guy, because that's somebody the audience can root for. That's something that, you know, they can get behind that guy. And he was like, you know, that's, that's not my story, I've never been a blue-collar worker, ever. And this happened several times. You know, we think Donald should do this or do this or he should be this. And every time he was like, that's not my story. And then he made the mistake of asking a question, so what's wrong with my real life? And so they politely had to tell him that, honestly, your life is a little boring. So it took a while for him to pull the knife out of his back. But um, even though he had written several books, he didn't realize that story, uh, and this is kind of a negative thing or can be perceived negatively, Story is basically a formula, okay? If this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, our brains are going to be captivated. We're going to want to follow the story to the end. We're going to want to know what happens to that character, okay? You know, and storytellers have been figuring out the best practices for this for the last 2,000 years. So good are they now, and this is where I need some feedback. How many of you out there are Netflix bingers? There we go. There we go. The real question is, uh, how many of you have plowed through an entire season of something in one sitting? There we go. Devin Kearns, yes. Amen, yes. We're going to have a support group for us uh, in the community room later. So, um, so anyway, um, Miller wanted to become one of these storytellers. He wanted to know how to tell these captivating stories. So he read every book he could. He went to every workshop and seminar and conference to try to learn this. And it was just invigorating to him learning about this. At the same time, he's going through this amazing journey of trying to create a fictional account of his, loosely based on his own life, for this movie. Okay? And that's where the two ideas kind of hit. What would it be like to actually live a great story and not have to make one up? Could you use kind of the structure and practices a writer uses to build a story? Could you do that for your own life? and maybe find some greater purpose, and maybe some greater meaning, if something you could sense and something you could feel, and maybe even inspire some people, okay? So that was where the idea of this storyline began. So um, I could talk for a long time exactly on what it is, you know, it's, but I'm going to try to pare it down. So 
just kind of the, the points of it, just like in any story, like in our lives, we all have a backstory. Every story we read, we go to the movie, it has a backstory. But then we have the story moving forward in our lives, okay? So a couple things about our backstory or a character's backstory that we need to kind of look at are these positive and negative turns, what writers can sometimes refer to as the ups and downs, you know, of life. And these are pretty significant events. I mean, we're not talking about positive turn, I got a cat, negative turn, cat runs away. You know, we're talking about significant things. No offense to any cat enthusiasts out there. But we're talking about things, we're talking about doors, which once you walk through, you're not walking back. You've been forever changed. So this is, you know, birth, death, maybe divorce. It could be something as simple as some words of encouragement you received from a parent or a coach or a teacher. Conversely, it could be some biting criticism, destructive criticism maybe you got from the parent or the teacher or the, the coach. You know, I have both of those in my backstory. So on top of these positive and negative turns, the next thing, which Don Miller thinks is maybe the most important part of this whole storyline process, is what they call redeeming the negative turns. So um, in the book storyline, we talk a lot about, um, or he talks a lot about the story of Joseph from the Old Testament. And as a 13-year-old, he gets this dream from God that says he's going to be a great man, that his brothers are going to bow down before him. But as a 13-year-old, he looks at it through this narrow lens of being a 13-year-old. And so he doesn't see, he can't see that over the next 20 years, you know, he's going to get thrown in a well by these brothers. He's going to be sold into slavery, that he's going to be accused of rape, that he's going to go to prison. He doesn't know all this is going to happen. However, he realizes at the end of this chapter of his life that everything that he needed to learn to be this great man that God promised him to be, he learned while in pain. He said that God has taken me through these for the sole purpose of saving many lives. So that's an important thing to remember, saving many lives. If you've been around here for any amount of time, you've probably heard Bob mention that phrase, saving many lives. Okay. The thing that we have to know about that is pain is universal in a fallen world. Fallen world. We all have a backstory of pain. It's what we do with that pain that kind of separates us. So in strictly a narrative sense, you know, we have three different characters. We have the victim, you know. We're all victims in some sense. But are we going to play the victim card? You know, are we going, is that going to be our persona? You know, we all kind of hate that person. You know, that's tough. Okay? Or we can seek revenge for these bad things that have happened to us. That's a classic literary villain. Or we can start to process this pain. And we can start to, you know, grieve the pain. Okay? And we just need to ask, God, what are you doing in this pain? Okay? That's a character on a heroic path. Okay? We need to try to be more heroic. Okay? I was trying to think of a better way to say that, not so cheesy, but that's the only thing I could think of. Okay. So not only is that in story, but we know that that's true in our own lives. And if we sat there and dishonestly looked at our, our past, we've played the victim before, and we've played the villain. Let's try to be the hero more often. Okay. So that's kind of the backstory side. So moving forward, it all kind of hinges on this question, what do I want? What do you want? Okay. God has given us this empty book that every day we get to write the story, okay? Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Our lives feel cluttered. It feels like our lives have been hijacked, that it's really not our own, okay? But we need to step into that. We need to be more intentional and less reactive about this. You know, um, all great stories and all great characters have one thing in common, and that's clarity, okay? They know what they want. 
We as the audience know what they want. And hopefully in our own lives, we can achieve some clarity so where we will know what we want. Okay. And so that's a question I think we all need to ask ourselves. Do we know what we want? Now, this isn't taking away that God will command us to do things, you know. And if, and if God commands us to do something specific, I mean, there's no, that's a non-negotiable. We just do it. However, for these things in life, um, most things in life, you know, we get to choose. God has given us agency to decide what we get to do in life. So we just have to trust, you know, that he's given us the freedom to choose. He's certainly given us the responsibility to choose. And through prayer, through uh, searching the word, by being in the word, you know, he's going to give us wisdom to choose. Okay? And so once we take all those into account, the responsibility, the freedom, the wisdom, you know, we then just have to trust God that he is going to um, just take over from there. The story may end well. It may end badly. There's no guarantee. But we have to trust the process. Okay? So the question that we need to, once again, also be asking ourselves is, what is our subplot in God's story? Okay? Um, when we actually go through storyline, there's a lot more stuff. I could talk for much longer, but I'm, I have a tendency to ramble anyway, so I'm going to try to keep it, keep it tight. Um, but all of these are part of this healing and transformation that Bob talks about. That's one of the main tenets of Wellspring. It has been for the last 10 years. Okay? We need to be living stories that are saving many lives. And that's going to look a lot of different ways, okay? You can literally be saving many lives like a police officer, which we have some in here. Teachers, in your own way, you are saving many lives. Parents, when we love our kids, we are saving many lives. We really need to be intentional and really just kind of search our heart. What has God gifted me with? What am I passionate about? How am I going to use this to save many lives? Okay. So going back to to Miller, he kind of came up with this idea, you know, of storyline, of can we live this story? So... He chronicled all of that, um, this journey that he was on, in the book A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, which is a book that Justin has the interns read here at church. Uh, it's, a, it's a book that Bob has referenced in past sermons over the years. And so um, Rich Fox, several years ago, kind of turned me on to Donald Miller's blog, and Rich isn't here today, but he turned me on to the blog, and we just started reading it. And he's just talking about story and living a, a, a better life and being more intentional about it. And so it just really struck a chord with both Rich and I. So to the point where, independent of one another, we ordered the book on the same day and received it on the same day. So it's like, maybe God is telling us we should be doing this together. So we kind of started on our own kind of amazing journey of self-discovery and like, what do we want to do in this life? I mean, as a 40-something and Rich at the time is an almost 50-something, it's like, there are things that we should be doing that we're not doing. Things that God is kind of calling us to do that we just haven't stepped into that story yet. Um, so uh, we started going to conferences, um, really just engaging the process. Um, and over the years here at Wellspring, uh, there's, there's been some really impactful books that have been read, things like Inside Out uh, by Larry Crabb, a book called Soul Care, Instrument in the Redeemer's Hands. Um, there's kind of a whole discipleship, um, I don't know what the right word is, program or culture called The Huddle um, that we've done around here, which all goes to this point of let's start examining our own hearts and our own lives, okay, and try to find some greater sense of, of what God is doing, and also um, kind of uh, looking at this healing and transformation um, component, again, of what we're trying to do here. Uh, and that's hard, you know. All of us have this, once again, this backstory of pain. We all have this crap in our lives that we have to deal with, um, and that's hard to kind of unpack that at times. Well, there's just this revelation that maybe storyline, there's some 
simple but effective tools that we could use. This is kind of almost like a, um, an entry level into you know, this introspective um, perspective that we need to have. So we decided let's you know, offer Storyline, this book, to people and see if anybody bites. And so we kind of put up a sign-up sheet in the summer of 2014, about two years ago, and like 70 people signed up. So there was kind of a revelation. Maybe there's a little bit more pain. Maybe there's a little bit more hijacked lives out there than we thought. So, um, so in August 2014, we started this journey of going through the book and forming small groups and just trying to create a sense of community, safe, intimate relationships where we can kind of bear the pain of our past. Okay. I think change was really starting to happen in some people's lives. It was really working out well. However, we ran into the buzzsaw that was the 2014 Kansas City Royals and their playoff run and the World Series run. And so, you know, sports always trumps God. And so the, so, so the whole thing honestly ended with more, than a, more of a fizzle than a bang, you know. Um, but that didn't, you know, diminish our, our passion for wanting to do this and wanting to help people live um, a better story. So Rich and I were still going to conferences. Uh, Dave Hind went to Chicago uh, to another conference. And it's just like, this is still something that's ingrained in our culture. We just haven't really been doing it. But this spring, there was a small group that invited my wife and I to come in and lead Storyline to anybody in the small group who wanted to do it. And for Aaron and I, it was just such a powerful experience, not only to come into life with this generation or you know, this group of people who are kind of a season behind us in life, you know, 10 to 15 years younger, but then just to hear the stories of what they wanted to do with their lives, to hear the pain that they kind of went through, and just how impactful that is to creating this safe, intimate community that we're trying to create here um, at Wellspring. So um, anyway, now I'd like to bring up uh, TJ and Nicole Halsey, who are in that small group, and we're going to kind of talk about that, as well as Sean Stagner, who is, um, there's a guys group here that when we uh, decided to start meeting, we are like, we need to know each other's stories. So we're like, let's just go through kind of the paradigm of storyline with the positive and negative turns and and do that. So come over here. Alrighty. Okay. Um, so I just starting with the Halseys here. Um, so could you describe maybe your life a little bit before you started this storyline process, you know, which is now nine months ago or so? Uh, yeah. Um, so looking back to you know, last year, nine months-ish, um, you know, we've, we've been a part of Wellspring for quite a while. Um, had a pretty good community, pretty good base of friends. Um, I think we were pretty ingrained um, and, um, you know, pretty happy with life for the most part. But, you know, I had a job that was requiring me to travel. I was, I was gone quite a bit. Um, the wife was taking care of the, uh, the kids and the household duties, um, so we were kind of torn between a few things. Um, you know, I was spending a lot of time on the road. I also wasn't able to be a part of, you know, the, the church community. You know, some of our small group guys are involved with the guest house, and I really wanted to be a part of that, but, you know, just because of the time I was away, I was kind of more focused on that at the time. So, um, you know, like I said, we, we were happy. Life was good, but that was kind of the phase I thought at the time, you know, this is where we are in life. This is what we have to do. We kind of have to grind through, and you know, maybe we can find time to, uh, you know, be better Christians later. Because right now we've got to work. We've got to create a career. Okay. It just felt busy, <clears throat> just really busy. Like 
a lot of distractions, like you said earlier, feeling like, like your life maybe has been a little hijacked. It's not really what you pictured when you got married and you started having kids. You're just overwhelmed. And with him gone a lot, I was alone a lot. And um, that had a lot of stress on me. So I just had a lot of distractions. I wasn't feeling really plugged into church. I mean, I have a great group um, that we get together with every Monday night. And thankfully, they were there for me. And they kind of helped me stay somewhat plugged in. But I just felt hijacked is a good way to put it. Okay, so when, uh, when the idea of Storyline came to your group, it was Becca who originally um, talked to my wife and said, hey, if you guys ever do Storyline, Kyle and I want in, and that's how it kind of then it blossomed into the whole group. So did you guys know anything about this process before you started? I didn't know much about Storyline. Um, I think Brady kind of briefly kind of ran through something that we've done in the past, and oh gosh, I want to say like for six months, every time we would leave church on Sunday, I'm like, Nicole, I feel like God's yanking on me telling me to do something something's around the corner something's big I don't know what it is I don't know how it's going to apply to my life if I'm going to have time for it um and then this storyline thing kind of popped up and I'm like oh man a red flag instantly I was like I don't know really much about it um but I was I was intrigued obviously when you came and, and you kind of said here's kind of like you just did right there that you know that kind of intro of what it is I was like I'm in I mean I don't know about you guys, you know, but I'm, I'm in. Let's hopefully all, all of us can do it. So I was immediately ready to roll. Yeah, okay. So, so you guys, we, we start the process, and then we start getting into some of our baggage, these positive and negative turns. So was there any point that, I mean, it just kind of became real to you. It's like, there's some real pain out here. This is, you know, I know my friends in the small group, but they're dealing with some stuff that maybe I didn't know about. Um, was there ever a point where it was just like, this is... I'm going to have to be vulnerable in this process. Yeah, that, that was, I would say that would be my biggest piece of advice to anyone that is going to do this is you have to kind of um, make sure to, you have to be open. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to look back at the things that, I don't know, for me the way I always looked at it is, you know, any devotional, anything we've done in the past kind of looks at our life right now. We're trying to improve as, as Christians. We're trying to get better now. But for the first time ever, this kind of looked back and kind of looked at, you know, what door that I go through that I could never, ever change, what, what changed me for the rest of my life. And I started kind of seeing a trend. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's why I do this. And that makes sense. Well, that's why I do this. And you kind of start to tie things together and um, started kind of piecing all the, the, the pieces of the puzzle. And um, it really started kind of, that's when it got really real. You know, of course, you start hearing other people's story. You, not to be crazy or anything here, but when you hear that other people are going through difficult things in life, it kind of makes your your stressful parts of life feel less stressful because you know that other people are going through it as well. The only thing I would add is we've been together, our group, um, for a few years, several years. Some of us, some have gone, come and gone, but there's a core group of us that have been friends for probably five years. So we feel like we know each other really well. We we get together every Monday night for all this time, and we've seen each other's struggles, and we open up pretty easily with each other. But this seemed different, even though we had that background together. When we sat down and we did the, you know, looking back at our lives, the negative and the positive turns, and, I mean, there was not a dry eye every time we shared. I mean, the men were crying sometimes. <laughs> not all of them. <laughs> Um, when you never would have thought this person would cry. Um, I remember when I talked, I didn't think I would cry, and I just, you know, kind of lost it. And 
There was not a dry eye around me, and everybody was just so in tuned and engaged with me. And I mean, like I said, these are people that we've been with every week, but it was—it just took a different perspective on it, and that was really nice and refreshing. Yeah. So uh, as I hear you, you know, I think everyone is a little discontented in life, and that, and that I definitely hear that from you when I you know, met with you, TJ, and we've kind of talked about your story a little bit more specifically. Um, so how has Storyline kind of helped you work through that and in, in, in kind of moving forward and deciding what you want to kind of accomplish in life? Um, there's a lot of ways you can take that. Um, I think overall, you know, I, I, I look back at, at what I was. I'm looking at what I want to be in the future. Um, you know, we, we decided there's going to probably have to be some changes made. Um, obviously changes within, you know, each of us have our own personal changes, but there were some changes that I needed to make that affected my wife and my kids and time with my, my church, my small group, you know, so um, we kind of started at that point addressing, do I need to change my job, you know, do I need to completely shift gears, so um, that was the big one, that was at that point, you know, where we kind of, like I said, we had to step back and look at where do we want this life to go, and right now, I have a great job with a great company and, and everything, and I was, I was happy. Um, I, I was maybe a little more focused on being accepted by getting the attaboys from the people that I looked up to and, uh, you know, the materialistic side of life. I was really involved in, in that uh, culture. Um, and so stepping back and looking at what I want my life to be, I realized I'm going to probably have to shift gears. You know, I sought out a lot of advice from a lot of guys in this church, and pretty unanimously people were saying, you know, you've talked about your job, your career, your future, you know, the house, the cars, but you're not talking about much about your family. So um, that's when I was like, wow, I'm, I, need to, I need to look back and, and kind of change a few things. Okay. Um, so is there anything else you kind of wanted to kind of finish up with, tie, tie together? You had mentioned a few things that you felt were kind of important through this process. Yeah, I mean, I would, of course, I'm always going to recommend this. Um, this. This process for me, I actually... You know, I, I really, I, I ended up, did, I did get a different job. I, I kind of changed career paths. Um, it's, been, it's been a big jump. Um, actually, I think, you know, we were talking about life. Life isn't always up. There's, there's definitely been a, a, a lateral step, and you didn't land so soft. You're kind of thinking, is this what I'm supposed to do? So for the first time probably ever in my life, I really have had to learn to have faith in God and have faith that this this path that we're on, this trip that we're taking, it's rocky. It's not easy. It's not smooth, um, but it's the right one. It's where God wants us to be. And so, having faith in God, um, trusting that you know this is where He wants me to be, um, being vulnerable, being open. Um, I'm actually going to do storyline again, you know, because the first time I did it, I was bits and pieces, um, and and the bits and pieces that I got were so impactful. I'm thinking, my gosh, what am I going to do with a full? A full session of this, and like, what else is going to happen? So, um, those are kind of my bullet points, I guess. Yeah, and, and the, I guess the point I want to make to just kind of kind of close out your thing is that, and I'm just going to—I don't know if you probably want me to say—that they were kind of nervous in getting up here and talking about this because, you know, it is—it's like we're talking about this something that can change your life, but as he said, it's not easy. You know, there are ups and downs. I mean, the changing of the job has not been just a piece of cake. So, really, if we were to get up here and say, "Hey, this is the," the cure-all for everything. I mean, you guys are going to know. You're going to see right through that. That's not real. That's not real life. This is real life. God leading you in a direction, and man, you may hit hard. I mean, this, this, isn't, this isn't easy, okay? It's kind of like when you become a Christian. You think, 
I'm a Christian now, you know, days of wine and roses, baby. Everything is smooth sailing from here, but it's not. So I appreciated their honesty in just saying, hey, I don't know if we can get up here and talk because it's, it's real. We're struggling. But I think that we needed to hear that. We don't need to hear the Halseys have reached the top of the ladder and it's, you know, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's every, you know, she and I were talking last night about it, you know, for, for our lives, basically every major event we've had has always been a step up, a step up, a step up. Um, and that's easy. You don't really have to trust God when every step you're taking is up. And for the first time ever, we took a step that was really like a step into the unknown and it was super scary. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like, are we failing? Are we <laughs> not good Christian people that we thought we were? Like... Of course, I text you. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure that like I don't want to be dishonest and tell people that storyline's great and did this and this for us because it's been great. But like I said, you didn't. We didn't land soft. You know, there's been there's been some transition. We're still transitioning. It's still, as I told you, like we're still a work in progress. It's you know, tomorrow's a, a new day, and we got to continue trying to improve every day. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'll let you pass it down to Sean now. All right, next man up. All right, so anyway, we've got a, a, just a group of guys here who started meeting, I don't know how long ago it was, um, of just trying to create, once again, some safe, intimate community with some guys. And Sean, I didn't know very well. Uh, really, I didn't know at all other than, you know, back in our high school days, I used to mop him up on the playground at basketball. It was pretty embarrassing, but I think we all know that's a lie, so I'll, I'll come clean right now. So anyway, but... Um, but I know that uh, Sean and his family had come here, and um, you know, not to um, you know blow the punchline, but you guys came here, and it, you were coming into our church from a painful situation. So, um, you want to maybe talk a little bit about about that? Yeah, uh, we had kind of just experienced uh, you know something in our life that we really were not anticipating in any way, shape, or form. It seemed like there were a few. Um, you know, decisions that we were making that just seemed dead on and then kind of at the end left us just flat, you know. And like Bob and TJ had also mentioned, you know, the highs and lows. And we were we were obviously at a, a very low point, you know, emotionally and spiritually, professionally. Uh, and, you know, it just kind of left us scrambling, just is what is this all about, you know, where, where are we to go from here, and we weren't getting a whole lot of answers, so, um, you know, we, we started coming here, and it just seemed like, you know, through that men's group, there were just some guys that I knew, but, you know, we really didn't get into any of the depth, any of the, the, the hurts, you know, until, you know, I was invited to that group, and that's kind of where it all converged. Okay. So to kind of uh, frame this in the same way I kind of did to TJ, you know, so we start going through the positive and negative turns. Uh, when did it start getting real for you in, in hearing the other guys' stories? You know, I think Bob shared this last week, this verse, and that's the first thing that kind of comes to mind. So I want to make sure that I read this right is and what it is is it is first um, peter 5 9 and it says resist him stand firm in the faith because you know 
that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. When I heard your guys' stories, and they sounded very similar, the, the hurt, the struggles, the, the highs, the lows, the positives, the negatives, and just how vulnerable you know, you guys were, that there was something there, you know, there was something that happens that's beautiful in those hurts, uh, in those times where, I don't know, it, it just seems like there's power in numbers. There's a, <laughs> there's a story out there that says, you know, uh, about how much can an ox pull. An ox pulls 8,000 pounds, but when you yoke them up, when you yoke two oxen up together, they pull like 26,000 pounds or something like that. Being yoked up with others that just are daring, basically, to meet you, you know, where you're at and, you know, just love you there and and show God's love to you in the midst of that there's just something that beautiful that happens yeah so was this your natural predisposition to be someone who was kind of vulnerable and open and had you really ever taken time to kind of step back and look at your your life were you an introspective person anyway yeah great that's a great question I, I I would say that maybe to a point you know I was fairly introspective um fairly open, but, um, you know, it's in working, you know, through this men's group, this uh, small group, I begin to understand that those areas where I've maybe not let others in, those were the things that were kind of holding me back, And, and to hear those from another guy and just, you know, say, hey, you know, do you think God wants to go there with you, and what do you think that he can do there with that? Um, so I would say, you know, up to a point, yes, but then, you know, there's things that I think we all kind of just gravitate towards and we want to hold on to, and you know, I, don't, don't worry about it, God, I'll fix this myself, you know, and that's not who he is. And to see that through other guys... Um, and for them to be daring to go there with me. And for some of them that have said, you know, if, if, um, if you can't get there in the midst of your hurt, we're, we're going to carry you. And that was huge for me. That, that made all the difference, that someone would love me that much to go there. Because um, I think we often, you know, we all know and pray and, and, and know Jesus or, or God is there, but sometimes we just need something with skin on it, and that's, these guys have been Jesus for me in flesh. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I think that's it, guys. Um, the, kind of the last things I, I wanted to say in closing, so this is something that we've done in the past, that, and, and right now there's a group that's going to be starting sometime fairly soon, but this is still almost kind of a work in progress. We don't want to jump in too fast like we did maybe before and we weren't prepared for a ton of people, so we're still trying to integrate some of the things that we've learned from the huddle 
into storyline. You know, we don't, they don't even make the storyline book anymore. I think Don Miller has realized there's more components that he had originally put in that other book. So we're trying to really fit this as a church, and we can just, we can change whatever we want to. Um, and so we're still trying to work that out. So we don't have storyline groups to sign up for now, like uh, some of the other small groups that are going to be starting next week. But I just want you guys to be thinking in mind, is this something that I need to be um, looking at? Do I need to be tackling this? But um, the other things is that, you know, as all these guys have mentioned, to do this, you really have to have a level, level of vulnerability that maybe you don't think you have. You know, if you're not willing to kind of get into some of those ugly places of your past, some of the things that are really painful and really hurtful, this probably isn't for you. Maybe you need to find some other friends you can just start to work through some of that through. And maybe even seek some counseling, you know, which, um, you know, like I said, we're just, we want to be there for people. Um, I'm good at looking at things through the lens of story. You know, that's kind of what I'm good at. I'm not a counselor, you know. So if some of you feel like, man, I'm really hurting, you know, please, that, that may be something you need to do. Um, the other thing is that you've got to really want to change. You know, if you think that you've achieved everything that you can in life, you're living the story you want to live, this probably isn't for you either. You're going to be challenged to, to want to change. You know, our journey until we die, you know, is about perpetual change. We're always, always trying to become more Christ-like and really trying to become Christ, okay? So if you're not willing to change, this is something you probably don't want to do, but maybe start examining it in your own life. Um, the other thing is, this isn't a Bible study per se. Um, I know that's been mentioned in the past that, I mean, Bible study is uh, an integral part of being a Christian. That's one of these non-negotiables. You need that in your life to be in the Word. Um, that's not what this is. Um, we look at the story of Joseph in the Bible, and we do refer back to things. This is very God-centric, I would say, but this is not a Bible study per se. So if that's what you're looking for, this, um, this probably isn't it. Um, and, and the last thing that I kind of want to close with um, I was downstairs before the service started. I was kind of walking through this because I was kind of nervous. And um, uh, the band is practicing, and through the floor I can hear them doing the song Sometimes by David Crowder, with, with, uh, which is one of my favorite songs, with the line, Risk the Ocean. Risk the Ocean, There's Only Grace. And that just, as soon as I heard that song the first time, I think that's what this whole process is about for me. Are we willing to risk the ocean? You know, the ocean being this immeasurable. Um, you don't know how deep it is. You don't know how wide it is. You don't know what the dangers are underneath. Are we willing to risk that, to live a better story, to maybe engage some of our pain, to seek healing and transformation in our lives, and then maybe move in the direction that we feel God leading us into? So that's a question um, I'll ask of you, and I ask my friends it in, a, in a different way, but are you willing to risk the ocean? So, um, Thank you very much for letting me come up here and talk. That went much better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm usually not nervous getting up here and talk, but usually I'm, I'm getting up here and asking, hey, can you come help me knock down a wall? You know, things like that. Um, so, so I was able to keep this on the rails, so that felt good. So, so thank you very much, everyone. Let, let me be the judge of how that went, Rob. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, man, so many thoughts um, going through my mind as I'm just thinking through this process. And, you know, as a pastor, I get to hear a lot of people's stories. And, um, you know, people, all of us at different times uh, in our life um, are going to be seeking out counsel, wisdom. Well, we are just in a lot of pain. 
And um, I'm always amazed sometimes that when you're sitting in, in rooms and even just in this room of seven guys that we've been going through this here for a while, that people share some things that literally just take the air out of the room. And you're just like, oh, gosh. Like, and you're, you're trying to you know, imagine or picture what it must have been like for them at 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, and to have experienced that and the hurt and the pain that had had to have caused. But then also the way that that pain, maybe that unhealed pain or unresolved pain, has continued to impact their relationships, maybe with their spouse or children or their parents or friends or with God, and how it's hindered them from being the people that God wants them to be ultimately, and how at some point, for their own benefit, but also for the benefit of others, that we need those things to be healed so that we can go to other people and share our story with other people that are in the pit and say, hey, I've been there, and this is what God has done in me. So, so the healing process for us is not just so that we'll feel better about life. It's what he was talking about in order to save many lives, save others who are also drowning right now. And so we do that in community, and that's the awesome thing about being a part of a church and committing to being a part of a family is that we're not doing life on our own. And in the midst of what we do with communion is that we, we enter into God's story every time that we participate in that. And it's the story of redemption. And the Bible is just this one big story of sin, man's attempt to get what he wants for himself, to, to worship the things that he thinks in life is going to satisfy him, and realizing hopefully at some point that it doesn't, and that we need a Savior and that there's a God that's worth our praise and adoration that can, he and only he can satisfy us. And so we receive that forgiveness, his body and his blood, and the length at which he was willing to go in order to save us and redeem us. And so as we enter into this story today, we have hope. Jesus tells us that in this world there will be suffering, but to take heart because I've overcome the world. Right? That that brokenness and that pain is not the end of your story. And God, as I've said to a lot of people, nobody's shedding more tears for our pain than him. He's the first one to cry when your heart's broken. He loves you more than any human here could. But he also wants you to keep your eyes on the cross and on him because he's got a a plan to redeem that brokenness if you'll let him and if you'll enter into that. And a lot of the ways he wants to do that is by using other people around you to encourage you and love you through that time. So we're going to pray and we're going to give some silence for you to just connect with God and kind of reflect on maybe how he's spoken to you this morning. Then the ushers will come and dismiss you for communion. You can come up, tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. And we also have gluten-free crackers. I'll be over there uh, dispensing the gluten-free stuff too if you need that. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for TJ, Nicole, Sean, Rob, just the folks that shared their stories this morning. Lord, um, man, we've all got our own stuff, and there's, there's no way to avoid pain in this world. Um, but God, I, I, I know that, that you have a plan um, to redeem it. God, that's who you are. It's what your nature is. You're a God who heals, a God who restores. And maybe not everything's going to get healed and restored in this life, but Lord, 
in eternity, you say there's going to be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. And so we have that hope and promise as well. And as Rob said, man, help us be people that want to be heroic in what we do with our pain. That we don't allow it, we don't allow Satan to just continue to beat us down and rob us of joy and life that we can have in you. God, that you would free us from those things. And Father, we thank you so much that we have you to hope in. And uh, we just give you this time to just connect with you and hear from you this morning.